what, almost 12 months, my last podcast. And it's funny, I do apologize because, you know, COVID hit and I actually had a couple of podcasts uh, already loaded and I was going to, I was going to share them. It just wasn't the time, you know, like my twin brother had a baby girl. Uh, my wife is actually doing December. We were supposed to come out of the gates running with college football. COVID hit, you know, ish hit the fan. And it was a crazy time politically, uh, which didn't actually turn up to be financially for a lot of people. And so I do apologize if anyone was listening that had to go through some hardships, I feel for you. Uh, I just... I just thought now, honestly, that now was the time to start talking again, dude. It's 8 p.m. We just dominated the Sun Devils of Arizona State. I don't know if you guys watched it, but it was a doozy. I honestly, I could say, so I, you know, I've obviously never missed a home game in my entire life. I actually played for the Sun Devils for what, 2008, 2010? We were the Pac-10 back then, and technically we were Pac-10 champs because SU was not able to go to the bowl game. But I have no love lost for Arizona State. I love, I love them. I like them. I'm not gonna say I love. I like them. There's, it's a good school. Our team wasn't very competitive. We fought in the locker room. It wasn't a family. But anyways, it's 8-11, and we're coming off of the best game, <laughs> best outcome we could have possibly chosen at 9 in the morning. Thanks, Larry Scott. I swear, Larry Scott might might be the worst commissioner of all sports. He ha- I mean, Not might, he has to be. He has to be. I'll argue with, I'll, I'll argue with you for days. So we start at 9 a.m., and he wants to start at 9 a.m. to give us some exposure. And when I say us, I mean the Pac-12, which technically we are the Pac-12. Nobody wants to see a good Washington State team or really, really, really tough Oregon State team in Corvallis. No one wants to see that on the East Coast. They want to see Oregon. They want to see USC. Maybe Washington. <laughs> but they want to see the Trojans good again, and Larry Scott knows it. But yet, he, the reason, the best exposure is to get us in the college football playoff. So if you want to give us the best exposure, maybe, maybe it might behoove us to stop scheduling our best teams in a away game, in a tough Utah crowd, and then have a short week on a Friday and play at Washington. Like, what are we doing? Like, if we want exposure, do we want exposure? We don't want exposure for the wrong reasons. If you're going to just vault us into a 9 a.m. kickoff with COVID, with being the latest conference to join the party, with seven possible games on the year, and the top two teams in the Pac-12 South with SEs and, and Arizona State, you're going to open up with us? Open up with a floozy, with like a a little kick the can down the road, let's rust some, or let's dust some rust off. Anything what you did today... Slash, you made the decision a couple weeks ago, maybe a month ago. I have no idea. Like, do anything but that. Anything. Anything. 
I know there was Rum Leagues back, I, I think, a month ago where actually you wanted us to play UCLA week one. Rivalry week, week one. <laughs> so I know I'm a little contradictory because I, I literally just said 11 seconds ago that the worst thing we could have possibly done was to schedule the best two teams in the Pac-12 South to compete week one in COVID. I'm wrong. Because scheduling UCLA would have been the stupidest decision of all time. And I already said, I already thought Larry Scott's head was on the chopping block. I already thought that. Like, that was in my head. I was like, dude, Larry Scott is going to lose his job before Hilton will. Why? Because Hilton is making the correct decisions. Larry Scott is not making the correct decisions when he already knows his head is on the chopping block. <laughs> like, only a sane, only an insane person, right? Only an insane person <laughs> was scheduled a 9 a.m. kickoff with the best team in the Pac-12 against Arizona State, who was their biggest foe in the South. Anyways, what is it, five minutes in? The Trojans got the win. We got the win. Like, I don't know if you can hear the the tone in my voice, but it's positive. It's positive. 2020, I seriously, my first podcast of the 2020 season came in January when my, uh, my uh, twin brother just had his first barn, Andy. <laughs> and the next one was released, I swear to you, January 17th, but I couldn't release it because... COVID started to hit, which I know was in March. But this November 7th day is the start, the true start of 2020. I said back then, January 17th, in an unaired podcast, that 2020 was going to be the greatest year of all time. I was wrong. Gosh darn it, I was definitely wrong. Or, actually, I don't know. I don't know. Was I? Trojans are undefeated. It's November 7th. How many times have you heard USC Trojans are undefeated November 7th? Eight years ago? <laughs> I'm excited. We probably won the most improbable W of all time, regardless of the fact that, in my personal opinion, that we dominated that entire game. I mean, we did. We did. We just chose to not score points. It was 7-3. I know the amount of the punt, Jack Jones. Thank you very much. I didn't used to play at SC. Muff punt. Had a cramps all day, so you had to sit out. You actually did your team worse favor than you actually might as well have been in our team this year. But... You muffed the punt. We got the ball back. We fell on the inch. So every Trojan fan is like, well, you know, we should have 14-3 to because, you know, we fumbled on the inch. I'm like, no, dude, we fall on the inch, but they let us fumble on the inch. They gave us the ball right back when our first drive was a three-and-out stall or maybe four or five plays. When I watch the games, I focus on the positives. 
regardless of what you guys think. I do. I focus on the positivity around here. But if you're watching the game, if you're honestly, if you watch the USC uh, Arizona State game, and you told me that USC was super lucky to win, I would say you're absolutely correct. But did we deserve the win? Hell yeah, we deserved the win. We gave up. I know you have a million yards on the ground, but those yards were because we had great coverage downfield and we had no spy on Jaden Daniels. So I don't know if Todd Orlando realized that Jaden Daniels could run. I think I think we all knew actually. I'm sorry, I think we all knew that Jaden Daniels could run. That was really his only attribute. I mean, he was 11 for 23, 134 in a touchdown. 134. And 60 of those yards, if you guys remember, came on a screen pass. 60 yards. Screen pass for a touchdown. So he had 134 minus 60. I mean, we're talking about sub 75 yard quarterback. And we're blitzing with no spot. Dude, he had 111 rushing yards. 111 rushing yards on 11 attempts. Five of those attempts were forced. Because we decided to blitz outside and not bring any spy or any pressure up the middle. Forcing him a wide open lane to get those yards. So we had 11 completions for 134, 11 rushes for 111, and 50 of those passing yards was on a screen. So that might as well might as well been have <clears throat> might as well would have been a run. And we're gonna give him credit, like they just dominated our offense or dominated our defense. Like, dude, they didn't dominate us. Keaton Slovis had almost 400 passing yards. Yeah, he passed the ball 55 times. And we're running back by committee, but we're running the ball up the middle, and clearly up the middle never, never worked. But yet we still did it. So like I've always been, I've always been a proponent of like, you have a game plan, stick to it. You know? Don't get hit in the mouth and all of a sudden lose the game plan. Don't just throw it out the window. Keep it with it. Keep with it. Keep with it. Be stubborn as hell with it. But being stubborn as hell with your game plan doesn't mean you got to go through the A gap every single time on fourth and one when first and second or first down, second down, third down didn't go so well up the middle. Go off tackle. Every time we ran off tackle, we thought we might have had five yards. For real. I was almost talking about putting Christian in the game. Is that how you pronounce it? 23? Put 23. The only back on our entire roster that didn't get a touch. Put 23 in the game. Go off tackle. Let him outrun everybody because everybody on the field looks slow. I don't know if it was the rain. I don't know if it was the 9 a.m. kickoff. I'm going to have to lean towards the 9 a.m. kickoff, but let him get across the middle. Go off the edge. Stop going up the middle because it doesn't work. It never worked. All game. So on fourth and one, don't try it because it's not going to work. 
Do I think Slovis looked bad? No. Do I think the play calling was a little bit suspect? Yes, I do. And everyone should feel that way. Yeah, Tyler Vaughn shouldn't fumble the ball. He should have he should have the wherewithal to realize when he shakes the safety coming down that the corner that he just faked out is behind him with the hammer. Marquis Step fumbled the ball on fourth and one get. A much needed get. The only get we had all season. Minus the final touchdown, which we can touch on later. I know we fumbled three times, and I know we had a bunch of mistakes in the red zone. They gave us a favor. We don't return the favor. Actually, we do return the favor. We give it right back to them with zero points. We went for it on a fourth and one twice inside the red zone. Why everyone was like, why don't we kick the field goal? But at the same time, those guys that were saying, why not kick the field goal, are the same people that were bitching last year when we never went for a fourth and one. We tried to defeat the statistic. And quite frankly, those were all right calls. Everything was right. The decisions were right, but running up the middle. That was the only wrong thing we did on fourth down. <laughs> it was right up the middle. Drake London had 125 receiving yards and a touchdown. The most important touchdown in Clay Helton's tenure in USC's current football team's history. It puts us on a path to not just be 20 in the country, because Arizona State's a good team, but look at every other arbitrary ranking in the country already. I mean, we had North Carolina at 5, and they lost to a terrible team. We had Michigan ranked 11, and they got smoked by Michigan State, who just got smoked by Iowa, who Michigan also lost to Indiana. Indiana's currently 13. They're going to go to, like, 10. SC, with the ugliest of Ws, we might drop to 14 or 15 because teams in front of us lost. That is how arbitrary these rankings are. We're going to play seven games tops in the Pac-12. And Arizona already canceled a lot of games because of COVID of issues with Utah and Washington and Cal. I mean, I think those games are also canceled because somebody showed up asymptomatic and they couldn't play, so they shut the whole damn thing down. Like, we have a quarantine policy in place, right? Is a, is a 14-day quarantine place for the Pac-12. So if one player is asymptomatic, it doesn't mean you cancel the whole season, right? Or whole, the entire game. You're going to mess up the whole schedule. I guess Larry Scott didn't really think too much through that. But um, Marquis Stepp had 14 carries. Stephen Carr had 10. 29 had 8. Call him 29 because I don't know if it's Veve or Bavai. <laughs> I mean, call him Bavai. I mean, I met the guy maybe 10 times and I still forget. I'm sorry. Call him CTE. But we've always said that Marquis Step was our downhill back. That we gave him the ball in third inches, fourth and inches, fourth and one, fourth and goal, third and goal. Hell, first and goal. We didn't do that until it seemed like we needed a changeup which is after the fumble on the inch from Vuvai, Vevey, 29. 
And then the fourth one, we got stuff. So then the next time we decided that Marky Step was going to be the answer. So we put Marquise in the game because he's the answer. But we already knew he was the answer, right? So what do you think Herman Edwards and Marvin Lewis and Antonio Pierce are thinking? If we're sitting here like, why is 30 not in the game? Then all of a sudden it doesn't work once or twice, so the third time we throw him in, do we think we're going to fake it to him? They might as well probably did. I have to go back and check tape, but they probably put their goal line defense in the goddamn game to stop one running back because <laughs> we don't do I formation. We don't have a fullback. We hand the ball off in shotgun to get inches. So when he finally joins the game, does anybody, anybody in the country think that is a play action? No. No, 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 no. Nobody does. And if you do... If anybody actually thought it was a play action, text me. Let's grab lunch. Because I'd love to pick your brain on a few topics. But anyways, we got stuff. I'm not gonna gripe. I'm not gonna gripe on a W. Even though there's a million things in this country to gripe on when you're watching USA Arizona State. I didn't mean this entire country. I mean this specific game, not Pacific game, specific game. It was supposed to be a high-powered USC offense with a newly reformed defense. Look like a high school game. It looked like Friday Night Lights. We played at 9 a.m. to get exposure so the SEC country could actually watch the Pac-12 play. And it was supposed to be the Pac-12's finest at their earliest kickoff since 19, what, 37 for the Trojans? We wanted to let the SEC country know what Pac-12 is all about. So we're going to start the initiative on the first game of the season when everyone's already been playing ball. Everyone's already gone through their cobwebs and twerks and tweaks and rust. And we're going to decide first game, Pac-12 finest, 9 in the morning. I mean, that put a beer in my hand by six. I don't know about you guys, but we tailgate for every game. And we couldn't even get into the Coliseum because of this whole COVID regulation stuff. And I told you from the beginning of this podcast that I don't talk politics. So I will not touch on COVID, my personal thoughts about it. Because you guys don't care and I don't care. USC won on a tipped ball, which was, if my memory serves me correctly, was fourth and 15, and we got him to jump off sides, so it was a free play. So even if that pass was incomplete, it would have still been fourth down, but like fourth and seven. But we go deep, which Keaton just has an innate ability to clearly understand the situation, which apparently has been a difficult time at USC to understand situations. But he, he understood it, and he went deep. He took a shot, which is exactly what you're supposed to do. 
tipped ball off of Amon Ra straight to our boy Brew McCoy that hasn't seen the turf since what a year and a half. Highly touted recruit out of modern day, who I'm a huge fan of, and I think will do huge things. He made the wrong decision, decommitted from SC, and then going to Texas and then going back to SC. Like he got his first touchdown. He got his first touchdown, and it sparked the miraculous comeback by the Chargers because then the very next play was an onside kick. Has anyone seen Has anyone seen in 2020 a successful onside kick besides that weird little bottle top spinner in, what, the Eagles or the Cowboys game? Whatever the hell we watched. Maybe for the only W the Cowboys had. I was like, I don't know who – I don't know that. I just remember watching. I just don't know. Has anyone seen an onside kick recovery that benefited the team you were currently watching? And the fact that Chris Kyle, the lead Pac-12 ref, tried to botch yet another call, trying to make the decision on who recovered the onside kick. Never mind the fact that Vivai was in the end zone, 29 was in the end zone, the very first or the second play after the muff punt was in the end zone and didn't have a good angle to to see it, so they called the fumble. Never mind the fumble that was actually, what, a pass interference down the field on Chris Steele. When they fumbled the ball on Jaden Daniels, he tried to like pass him over the top, and then we sacked him, and then he fumbled. And then OG took it to the house, and they called it a recovery on the offense, but there's a flag. Like, we get the flag call, but how the hell do you say Arizona State recovered that? Watch the replay. It's like not even close. Anyways, the onside kick. We got the onside kick. It was a fantastic play. I'm not going to say it was a bad play Arizona State. I think it was just really, really, really great execution. <laughs> a great special teams coach. And we recovered the football. What's more improbable? A couple of years ago, or what, 2016, when the Jail Mary happened? The Jail Mary or an onside kick? Mind you, the jail Mary happened after we were up 17 with like a minute to go in the game. And we gave up an 80-yard pass, three and out. 80-yard pass, three and out, Hail Mary to lose. What's more improbable, that or what just happened tonight? So I'm sitting here looking at this, <coughs> looking at the highlights. And I'd like to think that what happened tonight was more improbable than what happened back with the Jail Mary. I know a lot of things that had to go right for the Trojans or to, for Sun Devils to win back 2016, but everything had to go right for the Trojans. Hell, our touchdown was even, it was fourth and three. Then our touchdown, the false start made us go back to fourth and seven or fourth and nine or whatever the heck the initial yards were. But it forced us to go to the end zone because then it was fourth and nine. And it's like, if you're going to throw a check down trying to get the yards, you might as well just go for the whole damn thing. 
The false start might have helped us. It opened up the field and spread the stages out a little bit. It gave London <laughs> or Keaton the slightest, the slightest of windows to fit that ball in. And hell, he did. And it was a great catch. It was great defense, but a better offense always beats a good defense. Always beats a good defense. And our offense was super suspect for the first three quarters, for the first four quarters. For the entire game, besides the last five minutes of the game when we needed to win. And everyone says, well, good teams find find ways to win. It's like, am I going to call us good? Hell yeah, I'll call us good. Am I going to call us great? No, not yet. It's the first game of the season. But to shake the rust off of the Pac-12's elite, who's going to be the second in our Pac-12 South, it's going to happen, 100%. ASU is going to maybe lose one more game for the rest of the year. We're going to shake the rust off at 9 a.m. in the morning. I, my hamstrings were so tight now in the morning. So I'm happy as hell. It's it, it's 8. Oh my goodness, it's not even 9 o'clock. I'm going to pour myself a drink. I'm going to sit down with the wife. I'm going to watch a movie. I'm going to celebrate all wins because that's what we do. That's what I was taught to do at birth. Coach Baxter also taught us that. It was the number four thing on the things we had to memorize. Celebrate all wins. Um, next week, so this was my first podcast, obviously, within 12 months. COVID messed a lot of things up. And it was a quick recap of the USC-Arizona State game tonight. Um, I'm not going to always want to do just the recap of the game because – I think people get too emotional and too attached, and sometimes I just want to like detach myself from it. I think it's also awesome to have guest appearances and interviews and perspectives from players that I know you guys all love. So that's going to be my main focus, but I had to give one out tonight. First one back, had it coming hot. After, <laughs> off of a W. Trojans over the Sun Devils, fifth time in six years we've won. It's nothing new, but the way we won is spectacular. If you haven't seen the game, watch the highlights. Or go to my Twitter feed, Taylor Ashton 17 Get a little quick recap of my thoughts. Uh, but have a fantastic night, guys. Fantastic weekend. We'll see you next time. Uh,